0: Welcome to The Glittering Bell Jar, a Harry Potter podcast. I'm Valerie.
1: And I'm Bree. We're two writers and Harry Potter fans. In this podcast, we explore the Harry Potter series by reading it backwards.
0: As you might recall, Harry and his friends discover the power of The Glittering Bell Jar in the Department of Mysteries as it causes objects to move backward and forward through time. We're doing the same thing each week, working backwards through a few
1: chapters, starting with Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. Ready to explore Harry Potter in a new way? then join us in The Glittering Bell Jar.
0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Glittering Bell Jar, your favorite Harry Potter podcast. My name is Valerie. I am joined as always by my co-host, Brie, and we are reading the Harry Potter series backward. We are in season two. This is episode 23, and that means we are working backward through Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, which is our favorite book, and we hope if you're joining us that it is perhaps your favorite book too. In this episode, we are covering chapter eight, Snape Victorious, which is possibly one of the coolest chapter titles. And there are some really good chapter titles in the Harry Potter series. Uh, but before we get into that, I have a very important question that we always start each episode with. And that is Brie, how are you doing? Oh, uh,
1: I am good. I'm good. I'm having a pretty good day. How are you?
0: I'm good. I will say, I think there's only two questions that ever get asked in this podcast. It's how are you doing? And do you have anything you want to highlight from this chapter? (laughs) That's it. Or are you ready when we get into the chapter synopsis? That's about all I ask. Uh, But no, I'm good. I'm good. I had another session of Dungeons and Dragons with my Mm. new party that I'm playing with. So a couple of episodes ago, I mentioned, I think it was episode four. It was really early. I mentioned that I was getting into D&D, and uh, my party had a couple setbacks, and now we've got a new campaign we're working on. One time we died. I mean, that's part of the setbacks. But uh, it's fun to be doing this other thing. And it's what's most funny to me, if you're listening to this podcast, you're going to be like, duh. It's funny to me how many people are surprised that I play Dungeons and & Dragons. And I'm like, read The Lord of the Rings as a kid. Same. Does a Harry Potter podcasted website. I'm like, how is this a surprise to anybody? I think I just didn't know anyone who was playing. Nobody ever admitted it to, to me. I'm sure I've known people my whole life that have been playing. And I didn't know it was fun. <laughs> like, it wasn't made to look fun until Stranger Things came out. And then it was like, <laughs> oh, it's a social experience. You're playing together. You're building a world together. Like, that's, like, fun to me. And so now, finally, I'm in my mid-30s. And I'm I'm finally getting on board with this thing that's been around for, for 30-some years, I think, pretty much. <laughs> Anyway, it was really fun. It was good to get together with people. It's good to sit around and eat Doritos and like make jokes and try not to die. <laughs> what better do I have to do on a Saturday or whatever day we play?
1: Yeah, honestly, it sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, I know a bit about it, but I've never played myself. But yeah, I don't know why anyone would be surprised you're playing or me for a I mean, we're both kind of nerdy. Like, why wouldn't we? All
0: right. All right. we right. We've wasted enough time. Yep. Uh, and we have plenty to talk about. I, I have so know. I know so. Let's jump in. We're going to cover chapter eight. Brie, take it away. Okay, chapter 8, Snape
1: Victorious. The chapter begins with Harry on the floor of the Hogwarts Express with a bloodied face, unable to move, and is unseen due to his invisibility cloak, laid on top of him. The train was now empty and leaving Hogsmeade. Luckily for him, Tonks is stationed outside Hogsmeade as a protection and finds him just in time for them both to jump off the moving train on the, and onto the corridor. Tonks is not her usual peppy self. Instead, she is sullen with mousy brown hair and a serious tone about her. With a new Patronus, she sends the message that Harry is with her. Instead of Hagrid, for whom the message was intended, Snape arrives at the castle gates to accompany Harry, but not before remarking on her new Patronus and how weak it makes her look. The school is abuzz with the rumor that Harry is the chosen one, and even nearly headless Nick wants to know the truth. After Dumbledore's speech, letting the students know that the castle security has been increased, Ron and Harry run into Hagrid, where he informs him that he was late to dinner because he was taking care of his brother, Gop.
0: All right. And as usual, I will read the last sentence of the chapter, and then we will discuss. So here we go. Exactly what Hagrid would say when he realized his three favorite students had given up his subject he did not like to think. And that was Harry, by the way. Sometimes I have to rewrite the sentence to make it make sense when I'm reading it out of context. But yeah, Harry is worried what Hagrid will think when he realizes that his students have dropped out of his class. Mm -hmm. And as we know from a previous chapter, previous episode, excuse me, it's not good. He's actually really upset with them. uh, And it takes them a while to even go get to see him. Yeah. He does not take it well. Yep. Yeah. Poor Hagrid. Oh, gosh. Where do we start in this one? There is so much...
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, the first thing I have is whenever he meets up with Tonks. So do you have anything before that?
0: Nope. That is exactly where I wanted to start. Thank you. Okay.
1: So the first thing I noticed is I just thought it was really sad. So you know that Tonks is quiet. However, the first thing he says is he thought maybe he should comfort her. He's thinking that she is sad about Sirius. And he the line reads, he did not like talking about Sirius if he could, which is just another layer to Harry that we have talked about. And the fact that These young men are not taught to express their feelings. And Harry, especially, who was always taught to suppress his feelings, um, you know, obviously as a child, he wasn't allowed to throw tantrums or be upset or anything Uh, that that just wasn't allowed. And so even now he's choosing to kind of put aside this like grief that he holds for Sirius, which is just so sad.
0: Yeah. I mean, we think if I think about this book, I had to think as I hit the section, wow, Sirius only died a few months ago. At this point, mm-hmm. it's not been very long, and and in the remainder of the book, where we've already covered in previous episodes, Harry really doesn't engage with his emotions about Sirius's death at all, unless it's in context of thinking that Tonks is in love with was in love with Sirius, and that's why her whole character has changed. But we've been talking in a couple different episodes about how Harry is craving adult connection, parent like connection, and I think that's what it's sort of expressing itself as, mm-hmm. even though he's not necessarily talking about Sirius or processing Sirius's death at all he's clearly trying to find new proxies to connect with I mean he we saw, we had a previous discussion about how he chats with Lupin and Mr. Weasley at Christmas time and you know that's kind of all part of I think to me it's part of him dealing with it but it doesn't really get discussed in any way which is it's hard for Harry I mean it's not been very long <laughs> like that was the thing that shocked me the most it has not been very long.
1: Yeah, yeah, I didn't realize uh, that that was so, so soon between uh, the start of the school year and the, basically the end of the school. I guess that's right, end mm-hmm. of school year and start of school year. Mm-hmm. So that does make sense. It's a yeah. a quick summer, which is not, obviously, a lifetime isn't enough to get over someone who dies. Nevertheless, a uh, summer. Right. So
0: Right. It's easy to forget, especially for us because we're reading it backward and we haven't read Order of the Phoenix, yeah. that it's literally at the end of that book. And that's that we're careening madly toward that mm-hmm. book at this point very rapidly. So... Uh, The other thing I wanted to chat about in this scene is just Tonks in general and her lack of representation in the movies. Now, we're obviously not discussing the movies, but we did discuss Ginny book versus movie Ginny in last season. And I think Tonks gets the same crappy treatment, frankly. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, she's not really – she's in the movies, but not the Tonks – that we really, we don't see her arc really in any way. I mean, she's not in Hogsmeade when they run into Mundungus, which we discussed in episode 19. She's not in this scene in the movie. It's actually Luna who finds Harry. So it's kind of disappointing that they cut her out Mm -hmm. when she has such an important role to play. And in some ways in Harry, reprocessing even little by little Sirius's death.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. She didn't get uh, much of that in the movie at all. And you're right, I think... I'd never really thought about that because there's enough of her like personality, um, shown on her looks in the movies. So in my head, I'm able to fill in the gaps. Like we know most of the time she's pretty perky and happy and she kind of picks on Harry and they have this like very, you know, older cousin type vibe happening, which is, um, which we love, but yeah, you don't Mm -hmm. really see that in the movies and you don't see this arc with her and, um, Lupin, which is so interesting I still, honestly, I still, I wish that we could read a story about their love. Like, and maybe, um, I know sometimes on Wizarding World, there are stuff, there is stuff that, um, J.K. Rowling puts in there, like random chapters, random tidbits. But I want to know exactly what happened. You know, you have her happy and stuff, and I imagine them falling in love, and then suddenly Lupin, something happens to Lupin. I, for Lupin, honestly, I mean, maybe it was Sirius' death. But I feel like it was probably something simple, like Snape made a mean comment or something happens about, you know, there's a werewolf who hurts another witch or wizard or someone makes a comment about him being a werewolf and all of a sudden their bubble is burst. And then, you know, she's just distraught because she's already fallen in love with Lupin. He's like, no, no, I'm not going to let this happen. And you see her now and you see her sullen. You see her with mousy hair. She doesn't feel good. You know, her version of not feeling pretty not feeling herself and you know that could partially be because of the death of Sirius and all this horrible stuff going on around her or is she just really lovesick or all of the above
0: you know what's interesting is as you're saying that I'm thinking it might be quite similar to it might be a good analog to what we were discussing with Voldemort's mother Merope and her dying of heartbreak Ooh, that we can see how truly heartbreak affects your ability to do magic and that is the same for Tonks, that she maybe not even is choosing to present herself in this mousy, sullen, dark, colorless kind of way. She just can't tap into that magic anymore because she's heartbroken.
1: I like that. Like her magic, I could see being um, very much connected to her joy, to her spunk, to her happiness, like her flow. And she probably can't tap into it. Wow, okay, yeah. I That's a great, a great analogy. I like that. That makes a lot of sense to me.
0: She's heartbroken. Speaking of Sirius's death, Mm -hmm. the other thing I caught in this chapter, I caught a lot, so we're probably not going to get to all of it. And if anyone wants to pop onto social media and chat with me, the other thing I caught was Harry's rage towards Snape about the way Snape had provoked, in his mind, provoked Sirius into going to the ministry. That made Harry's anger and resentment towards Snape in the rest of the book all of a sudden click into place and make sense to me. Because he blames Snape for Sirius being there as much as anyone else, including himself. For being in the ministry to require Sirius to come save him and thus die. And that adds on a level to me of why Harry has such vitriol towards Snape and mistrust of him. It's not just carrying the prejudices of his father forward or being mistreated personally. There's other things that make him hate Snape. And I think it's in some ways disrespectful for Dumbledore not to even try and engage with that like I know you're mad at Snape because of Sirius he's like you just need to treat him with respect he's a professor and it's like well Harry has some valid reasons to be really upset with Snape and a lot of people when we've discussed Snape on social media have commented there's a lot of reasons not to like Snape and not to trust him this is another one and I, I hadn't quite gotten that sense of raw emotion that is driving Harry as much as this section of this book
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so it all just kind of makes sense now why he would hate him so much, especially when he's trying to avoid blaming himself. A lot of that's then
0: going towards Snape as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, what I think Freud called it displacement, mm-hmm. uh, where you take what you feel and you put it on someone else. Yeah. Not projection. I think of it displacement and projection are two different things.
1: Yeah. And Sirius didn't like Snape either. And Harry probably loved Sirius the most as he's ever loved anyone. He saw him, you know, as much of a father as he had ever remembered. And immediately, if Sirius didn't like him,
0: then Harry wasn't going to like Snape either. Mm-hmm. And Lupin does call Harry out on that at one point. I think we've covered it. I don't, I think, it was, I don't think it was in Deathly Hall's. I think it was in Half-Blood Prince toward the end where it's like, you're just carrying forward the hatreds and grudges of a previous generation. And Harry's like, no, I'm not. And I'm like, I agree, Harry, you're not. There's some valid reasons from your own life to be very <laughs> upset with Snape.
1: Probably a little bit of both. But yeah, I agree. What else?
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's absolutely definitely (laughs) both. So the last thing I had is something I wanted to discuss that we had discussed previously. I believe it was episode 20, 21. I can't remember. It was either 20 or 21, where we were talking about the different types of memories in the pensive. Because this is going to seem really unrelated. In this chapter, Harry sees Professor Trelawney at the dinner table and just made me think of it. I'm going I'm to cover it here. Okay. It could be covered in a number of different chapters, but I'm going to cover it here. We talked about how there are two different types of memories in the pensive, and I wanted to bring this back up. So there was the type where the little figure rises up out of the pensive and talks to you, which is one of the memories that they that they watch in this book. And then Trelawney, her prophecy, comes through that way. We haven't covered it, but that's how she she's – they don't go into a memory. She rises up. And then there's the actual going into a memories. And I was trying to think about this because I described them as, like, testimony and actual memory – so, when someone gives you a statement, that's when they just rise up out of the memory. But I think that, I think what it is is whether I'm willing to let you into my actual memory or not. And I was thinking about the prophecy because what's super interesting about the prophecy specifically, I'm going to come back to the other example because now I remember what it is. The prophecy is Dumbledore's memory. And what's important about Dumbledore's memory of the prophecy? All of it includes Snape. Mm. The statement from Trelawney only includes the relevant information that Dumbledore wants Harry to have. And the other example of the testimony type of memory is Caractacus Burke, who was not going to give Dumbledore a full and complete memory of anything. So I think it's interesting because it's like, even Dumbledore uses the two different types of memories to his own advantage. Because if he had shown Harry the prophecy as memory, not as testimony, Harry would have seen the interruption by Snape, which would have been a game changer in the whole way this book moves forward. Anyway, it's just something I thought about when I saw Trelawney again, because she does not She kind of bops in and out of this book. And I wanted to cover that because we had just been talking about it in just like the last two or three episodes. And I didn't want to get too far to before I brought it back up. Yeah.
1: Love that. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense.
0: Yeah. Do you have anything else you want to cover? Anything from this chapter? That's not like random (laughs) like that.
1: Something really quick. Uh, So whenever Snape is taking Harry up to the castle and right before, he's super mean to Tonks and he's super mean to Harry. Uh, which I suppose isn't super out of character for Snape, but I was kind of surprised he was so mean to Tonks, which is interesting. But the main thing that I found interesting was there's a little bit of a pause. And so what I think happens is whenever Harry and Snape walk into the castle, and Snape is berating him talking about, oh, you obviously wanted an entrance, blah, blah, blah. Well, I'm guessing that Snape read Harry's mind. And because Harry immediately, right before they go in, he's like, maybe I can use my invisibility cloak. And Snape stops him as if he read his mind and says, like, no, don't even think about it. And he's like, you wanted this anyways. But it made me think, Snape for a second gets to be like, huh, maybe I'm wrong. Because he hears that and he, it makes me wonder how much, like, what happened, what went through Snape's mind at that moment? Like, oh, Harry doesn't want their attention It's literally not what I thought.
0: Yeah, for, first of all, it's, an, it's evidence that Snape is getting better at legilimency, which we've discussed in past episodes, because now it's not yeah. like I'm breaking into your mind. And second, yeah, he does start to get then some insights into Harry and Harry not being this egocentric, popularity-seeking young man Which you'd think if he's been reading his mind on and off for the last few years, which there's evidence throughout the books where it's described the same way, he would know that Harry is not seeking any of that. But he just sees James. He just sees James, and that's all he can see.
1: Yeah, 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 for sure. Anyways, that was all I had. What do you got? Good
0: one. Yeah, very good one. I actually had that too, and I was like, I have too many notes. I have to throw something out, but you brought (laughs) up the one that I had. So love that. Okay. Well, with that, we will wrap it up. We like to keep it under 25 minutes. I know I think I said 15 to 20, but you know, we we run a little long. We appreciate you joining us as always. If you are brand new to the podcast and you are still with us, please head to your podcast player. And make sure you're subscribed, hit that plus button, that follow button, whatever. Then scroll down and leave us a review and a rating if you can. Usually the ratings are really easy. And if you want to throw in any text, just give us a little feedback. We appreciate that. Uh, You can also find us on social media, as I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, and Brie is going to remind you now again. Sure. Bell Jar Pod, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Head over,
1: give us a follow, share one of our reels, maybe comments. Uh, We love to see it. So please head over there and, yeah, give us a little love. We love it. So.
0: Yep. Okay. And then before we wrap it up, we would like you to do one last thing if you're feeling really generous with your time. Grab the share link for our podcast in your podcast player and send it to someone you know who has been lovesick or heartbroken in the past, which is everyone. <laughs> so you can pick anyone. Uh, send it to someone you think will enjoy this. Uh, don't send it to somebody who's currently actively going through a breakup. I don't, that's probably not the right time. They're a really good podcast for that, unless you think they need a distraction, in which yeah. case.
1: Yeah, I disagree. Yeah, send it to them. They need us right now.
0: (laughs) Yeah, they need time to go by. That's that's the only thing that heals a broken heart, other than marrying the person and then them trying to run off with their friend's younger children and then going having a child together. Sorry, that was all Remus Lupin, in case you missed that (laughs) part of the story there. (laughs) All right, with that, we'll wrap it up. We really appreciate you joining us, as I said, and we will be back very soon with another episode.
1: All right, see you next time. Glittering Bell Jar is a Harry Potter podcast produced by the Calibro Group in partnership with Wild Goose Creatives. It is an unofficial fan project that is not authorized, approved, licensed, or endorsed by J.K. Rowling, her publishers, or Warner Brothers Entertainment Incorporated. Our theme music is Carnival of the Animals R125, Aquarium by Moments, licensed via Soundstripe. You can discover even more magic on followthebutterflies.com.